Before we get started, we just wanted to read a quick disclaimer. First and foremost, this is a comedy slash true crime podcast. We are a few guys who like to laugh and crack jokes. We understand the nature of the topic is very disheartening and grim, but our aim here is to bring to light these real-life situations so you, the listener, can be more aware of your surroundings and hopefully laugh alongside with us. We will not make jokes about the victims or the families impacted by the unfortunate situations, but we will make jokes about the perpetrator or anywhere we see fit. If you don't believe people should be joking about this subject, or if you are expecting a more serious retelling of the event, or if you do not like commentary and banter on the subject, then this is not the podcast for you. Hey, welcome back. It's been a week. Oh, nice. Can crack. It's me, Will. And I'm broke. And I'm Brian. And taking up the caboose is me, Octavian. So tip that sweet lady for your free Jack and Coke while you lose your life savings in Vegas. And join us in these bloodthirsty times. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. They are a product of the times and these are bloodthirsty times. Hey, uh, so, you know, last week, Brian showed us those creepy-ass sounds, right? Yeah. And still don't know what the fuck those are, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and I still don't like you very I, much, because I haven't stopped thinking I was, about them. Uh, so, uh, I, was, I was listening to the pod the other day, mm-hmm. uh, drive, driving home, and the, the one thing I heard, too, is, like, they were saying, that is the sound of the earth moving. Oh, I, I get Okay, so... Uh, I mean, it could that, be possible. Like, like you're hearing the tectonic plates, like, like slightly shifting. Like, obviously mm-hmm. not earthquake, but you're hearing the fucking the. So it's like in a house, like it creaks and moans that you hear. The earth is settling. Yep. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean they're loud enough to be. I mean, they're terrifying. Yeah. So, in vain of what Brian did last week, I have my own game. Okay. Uh, what, what, I, what, kind of, what kind of taco are we eating today? Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, so I am going to give you an, a news article, and you are going to try to guess where in the world that news article is from. Oh, okay. I like it. Is it Florida or anywhere else? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. K Rock. Let's go. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes, it's all Florida. If, man. If, if, if anyone's familiar with fucking Kevin and Bean in the morning, yeah, they do that this was, too. That, yeah, that was their bit. No, no, no. Uh, Kayla West. Yeah, it was um, uh, Frank. Frosty, Frank. Fr- Frosty, Heidi, and Frank. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting my uh, morning talk shows. Uh, Frosty, Heidi, and Frank did Florida or anywhere else, so they would talk oh, about okay. a, They would talk about a crime and say, mm-hmm. "Did this happen in Florida?" Or anywhere else in the world. Yeah, they would have callers call in and they would have to make a guess based off of the story that they hear. Yeah. Naked man runs through the streets with gun in hand. Was it in Florida or anywhere else in the world? Basically. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it was in Florida. That's way too vague. Ninety percent was in Florida. So. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to prove a point. Yeah. yeah. If anyone's right. listening and you want to call in to KLOS and win, just say Florida. <laughs> say Florida. Florida. Yeah, that's yeah, a pretty it safe bet in there. Florida. Safe bet. Okay. All right. Well, here so we go. This yeah. is the first one. Ready? Okay. This is the headline, and then I'll go into the article a little bit if you need me to. 
So this one says a YouTuber has claimed to have been abducted by aliens and fallen in love with one of them. <laughs> I I could have sworn I just saw this article the other day too, and I didn't click into it. <laughs> okay, Utah. so that's that's the title, right? So we go on to say sick of men on Earth. Uh, the actress name is Abby Bella says that she hopes to normalize quote unquote normalize interspecies dating. So to find her soulmate, she looked to the skies. She claims that she fell for an alien after it swept her into its UFO and right off her feet. So um, where in looking, the world? Oh, we're looking for a country or? A... Uh, yeah, just this could be anywhere in the world. Okay. So and what was her name? Her name is Abby Bella. Abby Bella, UK. I'm going to say that's a US. Okay, so we got one for US and one for UK. So Abby Bella is from London. Oh. What's up, dude? So that's one for Will. Thank you. All right, story number two. So uh, a man has been jailed for 13 years after his fingerprints were analyzed from a photo of a block of cheese. <laughs> oh shit i think uh, i know this so, one so this is this is a drug dealer and i guess apparently oh there's shit a, i think i know this one there's a person there's an app or something that's called EncroChat, and it's for criminals essentially and um it hides a lot of your identities but this guy took a picture of himself holding cheese and in that picture is clearly his hand so they the cops analyzed his fingerprints from the picture and they jailed him because they proved through that picture that it was him. So where did this take place? I think I have a unfair advantage because I think I know this story. I'm going to say the UK again. Okay, Brian? Uh, US. Okay, Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, this thank was you. in Liverpool. Thank you. But yeah, that's I told crazy. You I had like, the technology nowadays is yeah. nuts, no, it's really, right? I'm looking at the picture now. It's just his hand with like a slice of like a block of cheese in it. And you can see like four fingerprints and they were able to identify him through this one picture. And it's Did nuts. they say what kind of cheese it was? Yes, I'm looking at it's mature blue Stilton. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. It's a, a delicately man. rich and creamy Stilton. Oh, yeah. Not my... Yeah. Not my cup of tea, but... Oh, uh, all cheese is my cup of tea. More cup of cheese. Mm. Yeah, so, okay, that was two. The last story I have. This one is titled, see if I can, without giving it away. So, okay. This one says, A maniac punches carriage horse, attacks two others, and a driver. A carriage horse and attacks two others. Where would there be a carriage horse? U.S. Okay, you're gonna go US. Hey, guess what? UK. <laughs> <laughs> we just never change our answers the entire time. Brian, Brian, bonus points if you can narrow down the city. New York. Oh shit. Oh no 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 no. Um oh, I was gonna say fucking say Jersey. Let's go Jersey. Okay, Brian drives New York. Damn it. So the, the article says his name may not be Mongo, but a shirtless maniac stole a page from Blazing Saddles on Monday punching and also kicking three carriage horses in Central Park before claiming he had a knife. Wow. Sounds like yeah. typ typical New York craziness. <laughs> yeah. Every, who in New York hasn't done this? Everyone in New York yeah. does this. It's, it's almost I, I, like a rite of passage. You just got to do it, man. Like, I only call said, yourself a New Yorker. I only We're said Jersey because it was adjacent. Yeah. yeah. And I knew case. New York was the answer. There's no yeah. fucking state that has carriages anymore. Come on. Dude, there's a carriage in New Orleans. I've been on them. 
Oh, okay. Unless you're talking about the undercarriage. (laughs) (laughs) You can find that in all the states. All of them. Hey, Richard, can you give us a fucking... Oh, that I ended it because I'm done with my segment. Oh, well, I was I was waiting for the the pedant. Oh, Oh, we don't. He doesn't have a drum set. We have to uh, give him some more pesos to get the drum set. Oh, damn. (laughs) Well, in any case, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, Yeah, it's up to you. That was fun. I loved it. Hey, let's get started, shall we? Yeah. These are the deaths without answers and the families without closure. I will be telling the stories and cases of the unfortunate with no real conclusions. Damn, it gets me every time. Yeah, <laughs> every dude. Time. <laughs> well, let's start watching some fucking drama piece right now. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, so good. I mean, each year... 800,000 children are reported missing in America, which includes those that are abducted, lost, injured, or just ran away. Mm -hmm. And of those 800,000 reported missing, 200,000 are taken by family members. That's crazy to me. 25%. That's fucking crazy to me. That's too high of a number. I'm not comfortable with that. Can you lower that a little bit? There's a reason why they have Amber Alert. Mm. Because I'm not going to give a percentage because I don't want to falsely report, but a lot of those Amber Alerts are like family members, right? You have like the split families Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the, the mother shows up or the father shows up and they take the kid and they go run off somewhere else. So that's a pretty high number. Yeah. And and what category does our case fall into? And we hate to keep sounding like a broken record because every time we talk about these incidents or cases, um, we're doing it to shed some light on the reality of these circumstances. Mm-hmm. And we want you guys and gals as the listeners to take this information and learn from the mistakes that were made in the past. And... I'm not saying that there were mistakes made in this story, but it shows how quickly your life can change in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you should know by now that I'm a cinephile. Yep. I yep. love to reference movies. As all <laughs> of us if, do. I think if, you have an episode where like every time you spoke is about a movie. Yeah, it's yeah. about a movie. Yeah. 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 And if you have ever seen Minority Report... <laughs> This is the real life version of it. And I've mentioned Minority Report in the past. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, aside pre- from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, aside yeah. from Lord of the Rings, I think that one's mentioned the most by far. Yeah, yeah, the pre-crime thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, th- this is the real life version of it. Except this takes place in the 80s. And there is no pre-crime shit going on. Although I'm sure the string fellows wished it was reality. <laughs> nice, nice. 12-year-old Sherry Lynn Marler went to buy a soda while waiting for her father. She hasn't been since... Oh my God, if I could fucking nail that, that would have been sick. Let's start over. 12-year-old Sherry Lynn Marler went to buy a soda while waiting for her father. She hasn't been seen since. She was such a tomboy. We had a farm, and she loved to stay out there with her stepdaddy, and he'd take him to the tractor, 
the tractor shop and she in the feed store and uh he looked in all those places for her but nobody has seen her that's when our nightmare started nearly 30 and a half years ago damn now richard if you don't mind taking a break from tickling those ivories pick up that banjo Lay down that <laughs> sweet, sweet sand of lightning bugs dancing in the pale moonlight. Let's, let's see if he has anything in this category. Yeah, Richard, yeah. what you got back there? Let's see. Uh, yeah, let's see how he play, does. Doesn't have the, he doesn't have the drums, but he might have oh, a banjo. Are you challenging oh, yeah. him? You challenging him? Well, uh, I, okay, I'm challenging him. I purchased the banjo just for this episode. Let's right, go. Richard, let, let's see what you got. Ready? Oh, he does have a banjo. He knows how to He's play how it. how to play it. <clears throat> wow, now, we need to pay him more money. Yeah. All right, 13 pesos. <laughs> He's got that 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 metal finger thingy. Pick those uh, strings. Pick. pick. <laughs> well, it's the metal one. The, yeah, the, the ones that are like they're kind of like. like, like uh, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, our first stop in the cold cases journey across America brings us to Greenville, Alabama. Nineteen eighty four. Can you add more twang in your voice, please? Oh, I can. Okay. I was doing early. Now, Greenville. Located in the heart of Butler. Yeah. You gotta have a fucking piece of wheat in your mouth while you do this, too. And while you're at it, put a straw hat and some overalls. Yeah. Come on. Now, now, Greenville, Alabama, located in the heart of Butler County. Oh, you said Butlerville? I said Butler County, son. First settled in 1819 by travelers from Georgia and the Carolinas. Oh, I love and, me some Carolinas. Mm, I love me the North and the South. No matter to me. But before being known as Greensville, it was also called Butlerville, named after Captain William Butler, who fought valiantly in the Creek War, took place between 1813 and 1814, but was largely considered part of the War of 1812. Oh, shit. You don't know that. That was in your history books in high school. What's a book? <laughs> now, the Creek War is also known as the Red Stick War. Oh, shit. Oh, and was part of the long fought American Indian Wars. And it was only considered part of the War of 1812 because the Red Sticks they sought out British support. Now, yeah. sorry not yeah. to interrupt, but that kind of reminds me of uh, remember how we were talking about. Um, when uh, uh, Coronado over in like the Mayan Empire, mm-hmm. oh, basically yeah, yeah. they, they kind of came through and to wipe out the Aztecs, they started gaining the support of all the other neighboring yeah, tribes. All the other tribes that hated them because everyone hated the Aztecs. Yeah, because of all the decapitations and all that shit. I mean, that I would do why, it. I, Brian, I don't know why they hated them, okay? Yeah, I mean, there. it's anyone's yeah. guess of why. I mean, shit. But this is what it kind of reminded me of, like uh, British, you know, kind of coming over and then uh, you know, to get the support of everyone else. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the, at this point, the British were were here. Yeah. On the East Coast, and so that, that, that's why they, they they took on the support of the British. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the native Creeks were called the Red Sticks because of the red painted war clubs, but. In any case, the war was ended when the treaty of Fort... That was perfect. Yeah, Richard loved that jam. Oh, man. Drop <clears throat> you know jam. jamming. Let's go, Richard. Hit it. Grape jam. 
And, uh, you know, the Treaty of Fort Jackson was signed because General Andrew Jackson, yes, the seventh president of these great United States of America, they forced the Creek Confederacy to surrender more than 20 mun million acres of land. Yeah, did, did, you, did you say 20 mun? 20, 20, <laughs> 20, 20 mun million. I mixed up one and million. <laughs> yeah. I made my own word. And 20 mun, yeah, I know about 20 that one. mun million miles. Oh, my. Yeah, so now they got 21 million acres of land in what is now southern Georgia and central Alabama. Mm -hmm. Now, Butler would eventually be killed in March 20th of 1818 by some Creek Indians and then would be renamed Greensville in 1822. All right, all right. Now, you're probably wondering why I'm giving you a history lesson yeah. on Greenville, Alabama, you yeah. might wonder. I ain't no, we're not in school right now. Why are you nah, doing that? Now, but because this is a very short cold case, and as they say in the biz, I need a vamp. I wish you'd keep going, though. This <laughs> oh, is great. Shit. It's oh, shit. Oh, God. This, if I can clean this, we got a secret in here. No, I, I'm here to have a good time this time. You fellas are doing great this episode. Oh, this, is great. this is my type of shit. Oh, hell yeah. Was your daddy in the War of 1812? This is the real history of real America. This is real American history right here. Hey, hey, this is the only time I'll agree with you, Cletus. Okay, well, you fellas have a good one. I'm out. All right. Gotta go. All right. All right. Bye, Cletus. Bye. Now, you might be familiar with Greenville by their widely popular Watermelon Jubilee. Oh, that Watermelon Jubilee. I'll tell hey. you what. But now... <laughs> Let's not forget the old time farm day with such activities as tractor races, oh, hey. blacksmithing, yeah. and my personal favorite, quilting demonstrations. Oh shit. Is that, is that what it sounds like? Yeah. <laughs> that exactly, you demonstrate your quilts? Yeah. I mean, Imagine. nothing nothing takes me zero to 60 <laughs> like some professional quilting in action let's see that again oh shit they're quilting hey bring that back in slow-mo yeah Yeah, it's an extreme sport let me see how fast you can quilt me a nice ass blanket in any case this should paint a pretty good picture of what the town was like with relatively quiet with the population of roughly 7600 people in 1984 just your standard Small town feel where everyone knows everyone. We all know everyone. Yeah, we are. Oh, and Betty. We all know Aunt Betty. Yeah, I know Which, back, back where Betty. Everyone is related. Yes. Which <laughs> makes this case even more peculiar as it is still unsolved nearly 37 years later. But everyone knows everyone, right? <laughs> And yeah. like to keep it close. Keep yeah. it in the family. Well, thank you. Thank you for the history lesson. And that was, that was nice. actually that was actually quite interesting despite our mocking it. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was. I enjoyed it. So yeah. What are you talking thank about? You. I wasn't mocking. I was thoroughly enjoying it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So now <laughs> So now Richard, if you could uh set down that, that banjo with that mm. pretty bluegrass music, and I'm sure y'all enjoyed that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. That was nice. Let's get back on the what you, uh what do you need now? I need some ivory. Need some ivory, okay. I Richard, what you got? Go back to your piano. It's what do you need? Yeah. Uh, the regular need, or need a uh, Richard? Hey, can play I, a sad song. Well, how about suspense? Okay, suspense. Mm, okay. Yeah. Here you go. See if you got it.
No? No? Oh. Oh, there he is. There he is. I like it. Pulling on my heartstrings already. Oh, man. Well, Sherry Lynn Marler was just your typical preteen who was described by most as a tomboy. And she went by the nickname Little Farmer. That is cute. Right? She enjoyed farm work, and more impressively, she knew how to drive a tractor at her age. That's very impressive. Yeah. She's 12. 12 years years old. 12 years old. She knew how to drive a tractor. tractor. Man, I don't even know how to drive a tractor. Fuck. I don't know how to drive a car. (laughs) I can drive an automatic, not a manual. Mm. Millennial. Yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) Sherry was a Caucasian female, brown hair, brown eyes. She was five foot four, weighed about 100 to 120 pounds. Tiny little thing. Yeah. But she had some pretty distinguishable scars. She had a two inch scar on her abdomen and a one inch scar near her shoulder. And on the day of her disappearance, she was wearing a long sleeved red flannel shirt, light jeans, gray sneakers with Velcro fasteners. And a watch with a black band. So pretty distinguishable, pretty, right? Well, pretty standard for a worker, like a, was it farm worker? Yeah. I mean, long sleeve, red flannel shirt, pretty standard, yeah, light yeah. jeans. The thing that makes me chuckle a little bit is that sneakers with the Velcro, like those Walmart mm-hmm. shoes. Have mm-hmm. you seen them? They're, they look like a Vans or something, but they have like Velcro over the yeah, top. Yeah, actually, I went through a phase where I wore those. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Like, and it ended wanna, yesterday. <laughs> I don't want to tie my shoes. I just want to freaking throw some Velcro bands just put across some them. On, man. Yeah. Well, June 6, 1984. It would start like any other day for her mother, Betty. She worked at the local Waffle House restaurant. Wait, pause. She worked yes. at Waffle House? Waffle House. Have you guys heard of the Waffle House Knicks? Uh, no. no. What is that? Uh, you know. The Waffle House is a distinctly like southern, like eastern southern uh, thing. Like we didn't right. have them in California growing up. Like we went to Denny's when after like a show or something. Right. Yeah, it's, Waffle, a, it's, a, it's a chain out there. Yeah, and it's it's a very large. Like there's one like every five miles. It's very 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 prominent. Yeah. And they're they're delicious and very cheap. Like that's the thing. Like they're quick. They're like kind of like a diner feel. Yeah. And you go in there, you get your food, and it's quick and cheap, <clears throat> and they serve breakfast and waffles like around. They're never closed. Literally never closed. And the Waffle House index is because we live in the south hurricanes are a huge thing out here right Mm -hmm. and you can tell how bad a storm is is or going to be by if your local waffle house is closed if your local waffle house is closed get the fuck away (laughs) from that part of town just just go north if your waffle house is not open doesn't wherever you get away from there something is going down it's like seeing that uh that news guy i forgot his name he's really wherever he's at that's where the hurricane's gonna hit it's the same thing like sometimes that guy has been somewhere and Waffle House has still been open. So it's like, oh, I mean, yeah, it'll be bad, but it won't be like disastrous. Yeah. Yeah. Waffle House knows. Yeah. So we, when every time I get rained out, I usually go with my coworkers to the Waffle House because it's early morning. So yeah, Waffle House is just a very prominent thing out here in the South. Yeah. Like actually, to be honest with you, the first, I came here in 2012, I got to um, the Gulf Coast at like 11 or 10 at night. And my buddy Kyle already lived here. And he's like, let's go eat. I was like, okay. And he took me straight to the Waffle House. The very first thing I ever ate here in the <laughs> South. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's the get... Waffle House index. I like how that. the, uh, 
Uh, we're talking about like the Waffle House, like closing under these really dire situations with all these like close. They're closing and these these hurricanes that are coming, and then we have this really sad music in the background. Like you walk up and it's like, oh fuck, Waffle House is closed. <laughs> That's why it's so sad. You walk away and you hear this music part. Yeah, this music yeah. just like, like, it's like that shot of like uh, you're blurred out, but the Waffle House is in the back, like clearly pictured. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just dark. starting to rain a little bit. Dark. Yeah, everything's dark. You see the wind, the rain drop through the window. You just see that the neon sign just flickering, <laughs> flickering closed. Yeah. <laughs> An empty parking lot. Just like, one of my favorite things about Waffle House is sometimes when the lights go out, just the W go out. So it's the awful house. The awful the house. house. Yeah. <laughs> oh my um, god. Anyways, yeah, she worked there, and uh, yeah. Okay, go on. Sorry. And uh, no, you're you're fine. You know, she busted her back just to make ends meet. You know, working at a Waffle House, you're not making top dollar. You're a waitress. You're, you know, trying to make your money off tips. Right. And her shift started at 7 a.m. And she woke up early because she didn't want to be late. She showed up promptly at 7. So she probably left at 6.30, 6.40-ish? Depending yeah. Depending how far away? Yeah, depending on how far away. But she, she yeah. woke up pretty early in, in, in the morning. And... Mm-hmm. Her daughter was quietly sleeping on the couch because she had kindly given up her bed to her stepdad's aunt who was visiting for the week. Now, I say aunt, you probably say aunt, right? In the South? I'm not Southern, first of all, but yeah. uh, I, say, <laughs> well, I, say, I say Thea, so I don't know what you're talking about. Because you're Mexican? Um, yes, correct. Auntie, auntie. Yeah, that's, that's Brian, like a... You say, you say aunt or aunt? Well, <laughs> depending, yeah, the uh, and so I was like, nah. Damn it. Am I the white, only white guy here? <laughs> you, we've known this. You know you're the token white guy in our group. Damn it. Okay. The token white guy. So my aunt, my auntie. Yeah, I, I would say aunt, though. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she gave her a bed because her stepdad's aunt was visiting for the week. Yeah. It's nice of her. Yeah. Little did she know this was the last time Betty would see her daughter. But she vividly remembers the conversation they had the night prior. She said, uh, Mom, I'm going to bed. And we told her we love one another. And she said, I love you. And I said, I love you too, baby. Baby, I'll see you tomorrow. I never seen her anymore. Sherry would awake from her slumber on the couch sometime before 9 a.m and walked to the front door to see her stepdad, Raymond, backing his red pickup truck down the driveway. And not to be left alone, she ran outside eagerly asking him if she could join him on his trip into town. Now, Raymond agreed, and they made their way into town, and their first stop being the First National Bank. So Raymond could sign some papers, and it's really not known what papers they were signing but mm-hmm. he needed he had to do some business at the bank in a few of the versions that i read about this part of the story it she had like he was leaving and didn't plan to take her with him like it wasn't in his plans and she ran outside and was like let me go with you let me go with you and he, he at first was like nah it's fine i won't be that long just stay mm-hmm. and then she like begged and he's like fine go go get your shoes you know go get your shoes on let's go hurry up but like well, you, you can imagine, this, like, th- think of yourself at 12 years old. Yeah. You know, your your mom's at work, and 
your stepdad's leaving. You're like, well, I don't want to be in this house alone. Like, right. I want to yeah. go do something. You got that 12 year old brain. Like, no, please take me with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to go like see the sights and go yeah. do stuff, whether it be boring or not. I just want to get out of the house. Get out of the house. Yeah. But yeah, he was like backing up. Like he was already on his way and she caught him and he's like, fine, go get your shoes on. Let's go. So yeah, it was kind of, I think the way they told the story when I was uh, looking it up was that just kind of add that little bit of like, if he, you know, it's not blaming him, just like that guilty aspect of it. Yeah. It it just kind of made the way the story was told in that article was just that he kind of feels guilty about that. Like it eats at him type of thing. So, Mm. I mean, you can look at pretty much any like major, like, I don't say like incident, but uh, when you think of when major things happen, hindsight is 2020 exactly and mm-hmm. you know we, we talk about car accidents right like mm-hmm. well well if i didn't go through the yellow light if i actually came to a stop mm-hmm. would it have avoided me getting creamed by a you know 18 wheeler coming through the intersection i want you to know that i could have easily turned that into a joke and i did not i was just thinking <laughs> the same thing i'm like uh, creamed yeah we just uh yeah no like it's, it's creamed it's that thing when you go back and look at it like two seconds yeah could have changed yeah everyone the, has the whole I, outcome it's, i know it's the for same a thing. fact that i can name i'm not going to but i can name certain instances in my life where i'm like shit i saw the signs and i ignored them type of thing i saw the signs and it really did open, open up my up mind my <laughs> are you ready yes now, yeah. <laughs> Richard, thank you. So he was ready. Dude, he's keyed up, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they were driving to the First National Bank, they parked behind a furniture store. And Sherry, realizing that waiting for her dad in a bank was going to be a bore, huh. asked if she could go grab a soda. Mm. Raymond eventually obliged and gave her a buck. Because back then, soda was a dollar. You mean literally a dollar? Yeah, like a $1 bill. Here you go. Yeah, this is 84? Yeah, 84. That's probably $20 today. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Go buy yourself a Coke. 20 Cokes. And uh, gave her the the dollar to walk across the street to uh, the Chevron and buy a soda from the vending machine. And he said, meet me back at the truck in 15 minutes. Witnesses, what's that? 15 minutes. I mean, I don't know how long you plan on being in the bank, but 15 minutes to go across the street to the Chevron that's right there and come back. Yeah, just like, hey. Like a roundabout time? Yeah, just like, here's a dollar, go across the street, just make sure you're back in my truck in 15 minutes. Oh, okay, I got it. I got you. Never mind. Type of thing, right? Yep, I got it. And witnesses reported seeing uh, young Sherry walking across the parking lot by the general telephone building and they were parked behind uh, the Jernigan's furniture store mm-hmm. before, before finally making her way to the gas station. Now, Raymond made his way back to his truck 15 minutes later, as he promised, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With no sign of Sherry. Now, those 15 minutes turned into 40, and yet still no signs of the little girl. So he... He sat there in the truck waiting for her. Yep. For 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. This must be one of those hindsight things. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
because I, I don't, I don't, uh, I really don't like inserting my life into these because I don't know the, I have no idea the tragedy and the heartache that this family feels, so I don't mm-hmm. like doing it. However, as a dad, um, I wouldn't have done that. That's all I can say. I would have immediately like, oh, she's not here. I'm going to go find her at the store. Right. Because yeah. I, I mean, I don't let my kids go that far away from me. Like I'm not like a helicopter mom and dad, but we let them have a little bit of freedom. But I pretty much always with an eye shot, at least I can see them, you know, but right. I, I mean, this is 20 years later or actually 40 years later. So we have these stories to go off of, like we've been saying. So it's a little yeah. bit different for us. This is 84. Things were much more lax. I mean, I remember going, yeah. and even we're, in the mid-90s, we didn't have, my parents were like, come back when the lights, uh, uh, yeah. the street lights, you know? Exactly. I, so it's it's different. I understand that. we, Like I said, we have these stories to go off of, and this is why people are kind of helicoptering these days is because these things happen. This story is real. This really happened to a family. And if you can do everything you can to not have this happen to your family, I don't see, I mean, helicopter parent, you, people argue that the kids don't live their lives and they grow up sheltered or whatever the, mm-hmm. you know, thing may be, but at least you have your kid. True. You know? So yeah, that's just, like I said, I don't like inserting my life into it, but that I, I would have, instead of getting in my truck to wait, I would have walked across the street and maybe got myself a drink too or something, you know? Yeah. But so, remember like, the year this is 1984 yeah, that, that's right? what i'm saying i've had these 40 years to learn even from then, these type of things yeah but even then they're living in a relatively small town mm-hmm. and you know people that live in these small towns they have there's a different way of life you know you yeah. live in los angeles even in 1984 you don't let your kid out of your sight there's way too many people. There's only what? What did I say? Seven thousand people. Yeah, it's a very, very small town. It's a and super even then, you town. said every, everyone knows everyone, so yes, they know it, they know little farmer girl. Um, you know, yeah, and, little and, farmer, little farmer's a well-known little girl. Yeah, and you know, a little 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 backstory um, to kind of vamp <laughs> <laughs> is uh, when my mom got remarried. She moved to a small town in Indiana called Crawfordsville. And her kind of dream, I guess, was that she wanted me to move out there with them to Crawfordsville. And I was a senior in high school and I didn't want to start a new school year at a brand new school in a different state, but I agreed to at least go out there and visit and kind of see how the the town was and it was one of those small towns where mm-hmm. everyone knew everyone mm-hmm. you know all the businesses in the downtown area closed at five o'clock sharp at 5 p.m doors were shut nothing was open except for the the fast food joints yeah. and you know if, if if i had a kid i wouldn't be too concerned about them going missing Right, it's a it's a mm-hmm. small town. Everyone knows everyone. It's you, you know you think it's relatively safe, but that's not always the case. You know, there there, there are these small percentages of you know. Yeah, these things do happen. happen. Yeah. yeah, but you don't expect it. That's right. the, kind of, the no. kind of point I'm getting at is, you know, if I had a kid at the time when I was out there, like, yeah, I'm not too concerned. Go have fun. You know, go walk around downtown and you know come back when the sun sets well i mean even like a 
my family moved to Menifee um, mid-90s, like 96. And even in the the aughts, I was go, I mean, Brian, you, you remember Menifee, there mm-hmm. was nothing there. It was like a bunch of dirt fields until they started building a lot of right. stuff. But when we first got there, wasn't nothing there. So like, I remember mm-hmm. going just anywhere. Like we would take our dirt bikes or our, our mountain bikes up into the hills and be gone 12 hours, you know, and my parents, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if they panicked because I was out having fun, but I came home, you know, we lived in a tiny town for California anyway. Yeah. And it, there wasn't, my parents, like I said, they were like, come back when the, when the lights come on, the lights yeah. on. Or, or if I heard that my dad had a really loud, distinctive whistle. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, <laughs> I'd be like, I gotta go. It was that Sue Wu whistle actually, which is really yeah. ironic, but, uh, I would be like, I gotta go. My friend's like, what? Why? I'm like, you, you don't understand. I heard the whistle. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> and it's only a, a, a sound that you could hear. Like nobody yeah. else could hear. Yeah. No one else. Like, what are you talking? I didn't hear anything. I'm like, no, no, trust no, no, me. No, no. Trust don't me. hear yeah. that whistle. <laughs> don't ignore the whistle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I but, get it. Small town shit. Brian, Brian knows mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and, and just kind of, I gotta, I gotta pee like a racehorse. So <laughs> yeah, no worries. So Bam. basically, um, I, I'm kind of of the mind, um, like, yeah, Octavia, we obviously, we grew up in the very same, you know, in the same areas. Um, and it was always the same kind of situation too, where, um, I was told like, you know, you need to be home by a certain time, usually when the street lights turned on. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's like, basically just like, okay, go out and do whatever the fuck you want. So, um, there was really no sort of, um, you know, just keeping tabs on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I get that, like now that, you know, things have been getting a little bit more like we're we're seeing more cases. We have access to more information like this is a lot more that we're used to seeing. So naturally, people are going to be a little bit more guarded, right. whereas when something like this happens in 1984, um, it's not very like these it's a very small percentage or a small chance that this stuff might happen. So like taking those extra precautions to just kind of like. Um, you know, keep them sheltered or like, you know, just kind of make sure they're within distance. Like that's fine. And like, you know, you're looking out for your kids. That's totally cool. But it's very hard to tell. Like there could be one time where you're like at the grocery store and then you turn a corner and you're just going to go pick up some like, I don't know, drinks or something. And then they're gone. Like they are just, and that's literally the case of what happens a lot of times too is, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, or, it's, or it's in a very second. A it's split a, second and everything changes. Yeah. And, it, and that's the thing. It's like, you can't, you can't predict when something like that's going to happen. Um, and and, and if really, it does, it's a very small chance. Yeah. And you really can't like let that mindset control like how you parent. Right. Of course too. And, and yeah. again, I'm not, but, I'm not, a, I'm not a parent. Right. Right. But Octavio is the only one here with kids. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I see his perspective too, because now that we do know about these sort of things, like, yeah, obviously you want to do what you can to, you know, keep an eye on them and keep them as safe as possible. Um, so it could really go both ways. And there is no right or wrong way to like how to watch your kids. Right. If you want to be, if this type of shit, because you know, it's real scares you be a helicopter mom, like do mm-hmm. you don't worry about what society says, you know, that at the end of the day, your child will be there. So is it right. better to be called, oh, you're a helicopter mom, let your kids, like someone making fun of you or to have your kid at the end of the day. It's it's an easy decision. Of do course. what you got to do. Of course. Yeah. If you don't want to be ruled by that kind of thought as well, do that yeah. too. Yeah. And exactly. that's the thing is like, there's, there is no right or wrong way to, you know, parent. And that's the thing. Um, but uh, 
you know, again, like it's, it's very difficult, you know, hindsight is 2020. And now that we, we hear of these stories more and more, um, at least we could just try to bring awareness, you know, sort yeah. of thing. So, so the 15 minutes turned into 40. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> oh, wrong one. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't no. the wrong one. I just, I just, just the joke yeah. didn't land as much as I thought it was going to. No, it's okay. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> now, panic started to set in. You know, 40 minutes later, like, oh, mm. shit. 40 and minutes is a long time. Too. It is that's a very long time. For that's a long, that's a long time. I remember like, okay, I'll be out in 10. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. 10 minutes takes a long freaking time mm -hmm. when you're trying to be, wait, when you're looking at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so that panic started to set in for Raymond. So he called his wife, Betty in the hopes that Sherry visited her at the Waffle House. And Betty being surprised said, no, the, the last time that I saw Sherry, she was asleep on the couch before I left for work. And then panic turned into dread. And Raymond started to search all over town for her. Now, the obvious location being the Chevron across the street where Sherry was last seen. And he searched high and low across the whole property with no such luck. But then a light bulb went off in his head. Light bulb. A light bulb. A light a light bulb. A light bulb. <laughs> it went off in his head and he decided to look in all the places that Sherry loved to visit. And starting at the local tractor shop, he asked everyone around, hoping that they had seen his beautiful little girl. Still no luck. He made his way to the local feed shop and prayed that someone had seen her. Still no trace of Sherry. She was finally reported missing at 11.46 a.m. And now the local authorities would get involved. They did a solid so like two hours. Two and, and a half hours, yeah. Yep. Well, well, no, because 9.40 was when we started looking. I mean, just judging by the time. Yeah, so 9, 9 o'clock they left. 9.40, 9.45, he yeah. started looking. So, yeah, it was two hours looking across town, mm -hmm. going to all the... The places that he thought if you know being a 12 year old girl just wandering around like hey i'm bored i'm just gonna go kind of wander around town mm -hmm. and again being a local town not feeling weird about walking around right trying and to hit I, all these places i've seen a couple like people like articles and even a few podcasters like being suspicious of raymond and i think it's un do like i don't think it's a fair criticism of raymond mm -hmm. that oh he waited 40 minutes yeah that's weird i give you that that it's 40 minutes waiting for her but again different times we don't know what else is going on he might have been sitting in his car balancing his checkbook i don't know but people are like oh then he waited till 11 46 a.m to uh say that she's missing that's two hours of straight looking for her i think mm -hmm. this is quick yeah. I think this is a quick turnaround to get the law enforcement involved. Mm -hmm. Right. Like considering it, a lot of people, like you hear all the time in cases, even though it's not true that you have to wait 24 hours to report someone missing, I don't think you know, that's not true. You right. can report someone missing whenever, especially a 12 year old girl should be taken immediately. But I, yeah. I give kudos to Raymond. I think two hours of frantically searching the entire town right. and then going to the police, like that's quick to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and <clears throat> what? Oh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Not you. Not you. Not you. Okay, uh, you know, <laughs> when I gave the the number, the eight hundred thousand children missing a year, right? Mm -hmm. 
which is a insane amount, right? Yes. It's reported missing, right? And 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 some people are really quick to report, and some take a lot longer. And yeah, out of those eight hundred thousand, it's you know some just turn up a couple hours later because they found him at the the ice cream shop or whatever. You know, what he was hoping, yeah. what Raymond was hoping is, I'm gonna drive around and I'm gonna find her at the feed store because she wanted to go look at the the baby chicks yeah you know, right. or whatever the case may be and so that that was his mindset yeah small town remember mm-hmm. the same for those that are listening that live in big towns it, it, it's not the same when you live in a small town you know there, there's those go-to places like oh i'm gonna go to this fucking dairy queen or yep. i'm gonna go to wherever and the i'll local find her. hot spots yeah i'm just gonna find her sitting there you know that wasn't the case. Now, Brian, what were you saying? Oh, no, pretty much the same. Um, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what Octavia was saying. Um, yeah, I think it's very, you know, I think it's a fairly quick turnaround time, even though 40 minutes does seem a little bit on the longer side before searching. Um, again, like this is a, a father who's going to take care of some business at a bank. And again, he was probably doing something. But um, yeah, he he did take uh, quite a bit of time searching for for sherry and um you know for these these posters you know kind of pointing the finger at uh you know at raymond for kind of getting a little bit of suspicious vibes from him i mean again you can't really tell you know how someone's going to react in that situation especially if um one they're not a parent like again we like will you and i we have different reactions as opposed to octavio when it comes to children being missing mm-hmm. um and so they handle the things differently so we can't say for sure like why it might have taken so long or my but in the in the grand scheme of things it only took two hours before he was like all right something's not right uh i need to take this to the police and Which i think that's commendable. very very commendable i agree i, I exactly. like that yeah yeah i, I mean me and Brian would react completely different than Octavia would, mm-hmm. and and so that, that's kind of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know once she was finally reported missing, they conducted a massive search party with volunteers all across town because everyone knew the little farmer. Yeah, right. Small town, they knew her. They wanted to find her. Like, hey, there's little farmer. Yeah, and. You know, they were trying desperately to find the little farmer. Knowing time was of the essence. And the town was plastered with missing person posters with the picture of Sherry Lynn with her short brown hair. She had this kind of like bowl cut with long bangs. Oh. And this is, yeah. And and this is the type of thing where you see the good in humanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone coming together, trying to find a missing little girl. Mm-hmm. And I cut, not to interrupt, but no, this fine. is this is something that I really wanted to um, drive home uh, because obviously we talk a lot about a lot of these very unfortunate circumstances, people losing loved ones and these horrific accidents and crimes. But in the in the grand scheme of things, you know, it, it really just depends on what you focus on. Um, with something like this, where we see, you know, a little girl missing, we do see that glimpse of humanity binding together and searching um, with a with a common goal. 
And that's th those are the type of things that I like to focus on because it it's kind of the more positive note of these stories. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's it could be a downer talking about a lot of these things, but at the same time, there is good coming from this. This is you know this is getting a community together. They're bonding, and now um, now they're searching for this this girl. <laughs> Sorry, you need, you need you need a beer after that one. Yeah, yeah so you're good. But it uh, and that's the things that I like to see and like yeah. I like to specifically focus on because the positive notes on these cases, like that's that's something that's really important because there is there is a you know a silver lining to everything. Yeah, there is. Yeah, it 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 gives you that that hope for humanity feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you see all the the negativity and you know all the the negative shit that they they post on on social media or mm -hmm. you know across the media yeah but then you have certain instances where you can see a whole town come together mm -hmm. and become one and and have a common goal yep and the common goal was trying to find little farmer yeah yeah so gives you that little that little flutter in your your heart right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that might just be my heart palpitations like yeah. starting to california yeah and uh, two monster so <laughs> in any case so they searched high and low every nook and cranny of that town and they even enlisted the help of the crenshaw flying service out of the local um, airport to conduct mm -hmm. an aerial search for her and, and countless hours were invested in trying to find young Sherry. But at some point they knew she was gone. Mm, that's rough, dude. Yeah. You can only do so much. Yeah. And again, kind of going off on a tangent, you guys saw that apartment complex that, in, that collapsed in, in, Florida? in Florida. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and after, <clears throat> what was it? four days five five days yeah i think no, it was no. five days is it five days yeah they're like oh, man and, you, you have to realize you're not gonna find anyone alive in there right because even at that point even if they were able to survive the the initial fall and uh, the destruction of the building then you're starting to look at injuries you're starting to look at food you're starting yeah, to look food at water. water yeah you realize um, the human body mm -hmm. just you can't sustain down. without water more than three days your body's gonna start they can't survive without water for three days. I thought it was seven days. It might be seven days. And I only got that from we'll the, the green or the, <laughs> the ring, the movie, the ring where she's like calling on the phone. She's like seven days. Oh yeah, maybe I'm calling you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you have to realize there's a certain point where like, even if someone was still alive down there at, when the, the, the building collapsed, yeah. they're not alive now. Right. And and so the search party had to realize, hey, we've tried everything and we uh -huh. can't find her. She's not here. Yeah. You got to at some point, you got to be able to just kind of cut the losses. And um, as, as as shitty as it sounds, you just kind of have to move on. I mean, we have to um, shift gears, basically. Yeah, because there's other things happening, you know, especially when it comes to like the, the police and uh, the the search parties like. Yeah, you gotta. Yeah, you, you you essentially you shift gears and you go into a different phase of the investigation. You're not going into like the right now. We're gonna 
talk to every witness. We're going to put uh, missing person posters all over the place. Now we have to go into like, all right, we need to take a deeper dive right to this investigation. And the investigators were quick to interview Raymond, the father, the stepfather. Mm-hmm. And when asked to take a polygraph test, he refused. Hmm. I mean, eventually he was ruled out as being part of her disappearance, but how does that look? Yeah, that's was super suspicious. So my, I have very mm-hmm. conflicting ideas about the polygraph test. I, what? I know that it has basically zero legal merit. Yeah. Like it, it can't be used in court. So in a way, if you think about it, what's the fucking point of taking it if it, you can't be used against it? However, mm-hmm. in the court of public opinion, it is very, very important. Like, you are innocent, why not take the test? But at the same time, yeah. it doesn't matter. You know? Yeah, so, why, would you, why would you take your chance on it coming up as false if it's not, it can't even be trusted. Like it's not a, a credible uh, use of evidence. Like, yeah, you false, could take a yeah, poli- false, false positives. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. like, okay, why would you potentially incriminate yourself and put yourself through that? Even if it does look bad to other people, it's that's that's the kind of double-edged sword there. It's like, yeah, it really sucks. And I, we were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier, but uh, Octavio, have you uh, have you seen this very not very known movie called Ocean's Eleven. Of course I have. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, now you. Right, now it. he's seen it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all of a sudden. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. But there's a scene in that movie where um, one of the uh, one of the heist members is uh, he's trying to pass a polygraph test to get a job at a very like high security. Um, you know, max casino. security casino, right? To perform the heist as a, as like the elect- electrician kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And so while they're performing like his background check and like his, um, they're doing the polygraph on him. Um, in order for him to pass the polygraph test, what he ended up doing was he ended up putting like a tack or like a, a thumbtack in his shoe. And every time they started pressing him on questions, he would push down on his foot to kind of get him that his blood is pumping like you know yeah, that, that stress yeah because they uh, ask you those initial questions like that yeah. so the baseline so what's your name and then you'll tell the truth so they'll have mm-hmm. that you know that simple baseline of okay this is how his how he reacts when he's telling the truth so when they're asking him those initial baseline questions he pushes on the tack to get his heart rate and everything else up so when he answers yes mm-hmm. it'll be the same as a lie exactly later it'll be exactly the same his, it looks his body the same. Will re- yeah so his baseline is a high heart rate right yeah i mean polygraph is only the only scientific nature of polygraph is based on heart rate and breathing pattern mm-hmm. and so if you can manipulate that manipulate it it it's it's you beat the system yeah <laughs> so but i guess yeah. it's not a perfect the, system right yeah the so. question the question here is though like is he right or wrong for not doing it like it's a hard to say like mm-hmm. if you know you're innocent just take it but at the same time i tell you i'm conflicted like at the same time why would i you know what i mean right like it shows other people the confidence in you like yeah i'll take the test you can trust me but at the same time it has no merit so why what's the point like yeah, it's really if they it's ask really you hard certain- to know yeah, if they ask you a certain question and you come up with a false positive, meaning like they ask you about like 
when was the last time you saw her, like something relative to the case and you have a uh, emotional reaction to it because it, it's your stepdaughter yeah mm-hmm. and you realize you may never see her again and you have this reaction and your heart rate jumps up and your breathing pattern picks up and they're like oh you definitely were involved and you're like, well, no no i wasn't i yeah. wasn't though but then if you don't do it you have to remember if when you go to court you're in a jury of your peers mm-hmm. and they look at just all every yeah everyone across all of fucking alabama and they're like oh he didn't take the polygraph he must be guilty yeah mm-hmm. it's that stigma yeah doing it or not doing it it's tough yeah it is it's a tough call to make i mean it like i said legally it doesn't matter but in the court of public opinion it's a huge deal it, no it's huge because mm-hmm. we can talk logic like this is all like Irrelevant. logical talk like yeah we can talk about how polygraphs work and blah mm-hmm. blah blah and if we would take it and if you won't take it but you get fucking anyone from you know all these small towns and like hey you know you got to come do your jury duty and they're mm-hmm. sitting in the the jury box and uh you don't you have know, reasonable people there you just have no jury. they're like oh he refused to do a polygraph and like he's guilty yeah, yeah. They're like, why, oh, he refused to the polygraph. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. And, so, and and that's a tough thing. Like, we imagine if uh, you know us three were called to do a jury, we uh, about a case we know nothing about, and we're hearing this for the first time that they're they're fingering a suspect over here, saying like this guy might might be the guy, and he refused to do a polygraph. Like, how would we take that? You know, it's kind of like okay. Uh, I guess in that in that matter, it would be a more general scope. Like with this incident, the cops never looked at him again. So that kind of that kind of sways my way of like, oh, he didn't take it, but that's not a big deal because he's never been looked at again. Oh, and the people, the cops who are dealing with this case, detectives who are looking into this case, clearly know more than we ever will. So he was rolled out. Mm -hmm. Kind of want to trust. I want to trust that judgment. You know. Of course, yeah. They, I mean, they they know a lot more about the case. So, than like we in do, the so. in the your in your uh, thing of us being jurors, um, it, we would have to look past that into the other information to see. Oh well, these other circumstances are pointing to him. Right. So his lack of taking the polygraph could be associated with like, okay, well, he has all this against him. He doesn't want to take a polygraph. He's hiding something. So it's it's a bigger part of a whole, I suppose. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you look at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And they ruled him out. And the only reason they, you know, wanted him to take the polygraph was he was the last person to have seen Sherry. Standard, like mm-hmm. like right. with no. murder cases that I do, uh, it's a very common trope. The husband did it because he was the last one with her, the last one to see her alive. Yeah, and a big part of, you know, missing children is they were abducted by people they know. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like in the vein of that uh, investigation. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever had to go to, like, have you guys ever done jury duty? No, never. Uh, nope. Yeah, I've gotten out of it every time. <laughs> nice. No, I've never even been called. I've had letters saying that you might be, and then I never get called. Okay. Do you want to know a secret? Be Say that uh, you know you know the person that's in jury? No. You just don't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> trust, dude, trust me. I've had a really, like, good friend of mine. <laughs> He's gotten tons of jury summons. It's not um, certified mail, right? You don't have to sign for it. So you could just say, I never got it. 
There you go. <laughs> Pro tips with William Moore. Pro, yeah. Pro tips. If you do not want to do jury duty, just don't answer it. Just ignore it. You never got ignore it. Ignore it and say, I never received that mail. It's not certified mail. You don't have to sign that you received it. So they have no idea if you got it or not. Pro tip with Mr. William Orr. <laughs> dun, dun. dun, dun. <laughs> 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 On next okay. episode, we discuss Will's court order to go to yeah. jury. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we discussed <laughs> we discuss my... Uh, my court in uh, felony evading of grace <laughs> duty. Uh, oh, dude, I, I got a letter in the mail saying you have to appear for your court trial. I'm just going to ignore it. Yeah. Ignore it. Yeah. It just, he I said he's going to take a polygraph test, too. I mean, I don't yeah. know. He's not taking it. So it's yeah, kind of sus to me. Yeah. Will said to ignore <laughs> it. All right. You want to get back into it? Yeah, yeah go ahead. All right. So now that. Raymond was ruled out as being part of her disappearance. Their investigation was now focused elsewhere. So now they started investigating all the witnesses, you know, the ones that saw her walking across the street, yeah. mm -hmm. other family members. And they were just hoping to find any clues to her whereabouts. But time and time again, they came up short. Now, Let's fast forward 37 years. 37 years? 37 years. Jeez. Sherry is still missing. God damn. And a friend of the family, Ryan Anderson, she has been doing her own investigation. So I was planning on doing like a funny voice for this, but it's yeah. kind of a serious case, so yeah. I'm not I'm not going to yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you do you. <clears throat> I don't believe she is still alive. That's my personal opinion. I believe that she was kidnapped by someone who knew her. And again, there there has been multiple quote unquote sightings. Like unverified. Exactly. Right. But just like someone saying, I've seen a ghost, mm -hmm. it's all been unconfirmed. Mm -hmm. You know, one witness saw her at a truck stop in Georgia. While another saw her at a mall in New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans, sorry. But the one thing they had in common was that Sherry appeared disheveled, dazed, as if she was there against her will. And the man that she was with was always described the same way. An older man, about 50 years old, Husky build, weathered complexion, with crow's feet around his eyes. And anytime they heard her address this unknown man, she called him BJ. Okay, so you're, from what I read, you're saying the same thing I would that I read, right? Is that the all three of the sightings, that the major sightings of quote unquote of Little Farmer, because it's not mm -hmm. verified. They yeah. all describe the same man. Yep. That's you know that as this not. You know, I, I think the one I, I I think the one I didn't include was a truck stop, but. Yeah, that's up there in uh, the Carolinas, right? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the fact that they all allegedly saw the same old man with his girl, um, it kind of gives it a little more uh, credence, like it credibility. Makes, Credibility, yeah. like you know, validity to the right. The, they all the describe the same man, the same type of relationship mm -hmm. where she's 
unkempt and he's like seemingly forcing her to be there it, it gives a little more credibility i think but also it begs the question of a more moral grounding um you see this before you see this old man with a little unkempt girl but it seems uncomfortable do you mind your business or do you you don't know these people you don't know right. these people right you don't know what the situation is you don't know anything about them do you see this and just oh i don't know what's going on and mind your own business or do you say something it's that's a tough call to make man because again when we start making assumptions about you know people we have no idea about that could only really lead to you know it could lead to trouble but at the same time like you know if you don't and in this particular case you know something terrible has happened but um again like i if i saw something that seemed a little bit out of the ordinary i mean for me personally i like to mind my own business i don't like to get I, into other people's business I am also and i just say thought. okay yeah. like well that's kind of weird <laughs> and then i'll probably just go back I to doing whatever the fuck i was doing because yeah, i don't know if it's the same with you but i don't like to assume assume the worst of people right like, that's i don't know that situation may be uh just misinterpreted by me mm -hmm as something else going on when it's completely innocent. Maybe they just had a rough yeah. day, you know, maybe she's throwing a fit, she's a little girl. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've held my son's hand through the store with him screaming, not, you know, yeah. but like- Is that his real father? Like clearly, <laughs> you know what's funny, it's happened, it happens more to my wife because Luke is a little brown boy and my wife is super like redheaded white. Yeah. So people have been like, oh, are you the nanny? <laughs> yeah, I, don't I, I don't get it from my side because um, Carter is much older. Yeah. And so he hangs out with me. Like when we walk on the store, he's hanging out with me. It's not an uncomfortable. I don't hold his hand, forcing him to. But my son, like I said, he's a six-year-old. Yeah. And so he throws tantrums. And he's not like the screaming in public type, but he's that are uh, not right. He's upset with you. And it's, uh, it's apparent that he's upset with you. Gotcha. So, yeah. So I, I can, I wouldn't want someone to be like, hey, is that your, what are you doing with the little boy? I'm like, first of all, go mind your fucking business, dude. I love you. That's my so, kid, bitch. Yeah, so like I can, I don't like I'm a, I'm with Brian on this, and I I'm very much minding my own business because I don't want to assume. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, should we like? Is it better to falsely re not err falsely, on, but like be err on the the safe on side, the side and, of caution, right? Yeah. Well, is, it, is that better? Well, the thing is though, I mean, we've and this is a very extreme case of that, but we've seen this in in a lot of other cases as well where. Um, like for instance, we see a lot of these like TikTok videos. We see a lot of YouTube videos of someone calling the cops on like a, a black guy who's just standing on a corner. Mm -hmm. um, like for instance, the one that comes to mind is there is a Hispanic guy in San Diego who's like doing uh, wall art graffiti on mm -hmm. a on a business, and it was his business. And then uh, some some lady comes up and calls the cops on him and says like, hey, this is a criminal doing something bad. I want you guys to come and take a look at it. Um, when she didn't have all the facts, she didn't have all the information. He was the the business owner of the building doing yeah. this and then she's calling the cops on him. I mean, that's obviously just one example, but kind mm -hmm. of taking that a step further, like if you see something that's kind of like a little bit odd, you, again, I can't assume the worst that this is, uh, you know, this is a human trafficker who's like mm -hmm. abducted a child. I mean, yeah, we do want to practice awareness, but we can't automatically assume that it's the case because we don't know the situation. 
we don't have all the information all the facts we don't know who that person is what the situation is so yeah it's it's hard to say i, I think brian I'm, I'm with you on for the mm -hmm. most part unless it's like a well, screaming kicking yeah. like yelling for help person it'd mm -hmm. be hard to for me to get involved which is yeah. i mean it's shitty to say but I, I you don't know you just don't yeah. know what the situation is it's hard i, I I told you guys a story last night and listeners don't know, but you know, when I was driving home, uh, uh -huh. I have a small side street, like, like a back road that I take to get into my neighborhood and there's no street lights. And so I get home, uh, eight 30, nine o'clock at night. And I pulled down this road and normally I see like, you know, I live in Corona. So, a small percentage of like vagabonds and stuff and they're mm -hmm. like always walking up and down the road they have their bikes whatever and uh i pulled down this road and i see a figure and they're walking towards uh my car and um I, I i'm very aware of my surroundings yeah and i realize like hold on a second this so, something's not right i see a lot of and <laughs> What it, saw what a, lot of, like, a lot of skin a lot of, a lot of skin. skin no a lot of skin and i was like oh it's just a vagabond wearing a bikini or whatever and it, it was a butt naked chick just walking down the road that's out of place yeah def i mean anywhere <laughs> that's anywhere out of place anywhere that, that's out of place i was like hold on a second she's butt ass naked and she's walking down this dark lit road that triggered that like hold on something's not right well you live in california though man this shit's hot as fuck out there <laughs> yeah i mean trust me if i could walk around butt ass naked i would yeah, me you, too, you man. can no you can't i am right now I mean, no, you can <laughs> yeah you can unless i want to get indecent exposure <laughs> yeah, charges yeah exactly <laughs> but it was one of those moments where you know i drove past and i was like i i had that train of thought right i had those those two roads i could take not do anything about it and just fucking forget about it, go home, mind my own business or say something about it because I felt something was wrong. Mm -hmm. Something wasn't right. I'm like, she's butt ass naked and she seems very disoriented. It wasn't just like a normal person walking down the road, very disoriented, whether mm -hmm. she's on drugs, she's had mental issues, it, it, it doesn't matter. Right. So I decided to call PD. They ended up stopping her and I hope she got the help that she needed, but it was, it, it it's in the same vein, right? Yeah. You see uh, something out of the norm. You just, but that, that's a little bit different though. I mean, yeah, yeah that's, it's, that's it's, clearly well, someone saying, distressed, but, someone but, that's completely naked as opposed to just, uh, you know, like an old man and a child walking around. Everyone has, at least I would hope I shouldn't be the only person where you have that, like, this, you get that hair standing on the back of your neck where you're like, mm -hmm. hold on a second. Something doesn't feel right. I mean, yeah. I guess. Yeah. You guys should have that. Yeah, I yeah. do. Mm -hmm. But it you, you see something and and again, like I said, I'm I'm very intuitive and I, I, I look mm -hmm. into things. And you have a sixth sense I, for these things. I, I have a sixth sense when, when things aren't quite right. And in a situation like this where I'm like, Hold on, she seems disoriented. Um, she looks disheveled, and and the person that she's with 
seems all there. I'm like, oh man, something just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Just report it. Like, hey, I saw this dude. He's a trucker, and he had this chick, and you know, she seemed really out of it. And I don't know if you know. It it, it just it's one of those things where it, it's better to report it. Better be safe than sorry. Yeah, I think we had this discussion on the Mad Chopper mm-hmm. of the, the neighbor. You know, and we came to the same conclusion. Brian and I were mostly like, I don't know. And, <laughs> I'm going to report him. And you were yeah. like, uh, yeah. Report his ass right yeah. now. <laughs> I just, again, I just have a sixth sense when it comes to when things aren't right. Mm-hmm. And that's what it But is that to, yeah. sixth sense always 100% correct, though? Um, I, I think he's saying that doesn't matter because at least he took no. the steps to say something. Exactly. Like with, with my better judgment and I think, you know, I, I've been around long enough and I've seen a lot of things to kind of know. When yeah. You're something... also an EMS, which is, yeah. you deal with a lot of stuff like this and you, you actually, you speak to other like police officers, like, yeah, I fire I, people and stuff. So you, you have more of insight than yeah, the average I get a, person. I get a better understanding of when something's out of place. Mm. Something doesn't quite seem right. I'm probably going to say something about it. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, but yep. any case, yep. it's where we're at. You know, they, you know, the witnesses saw her with this older gentleman with pretty weathered. But the investigation got deeper. You know, they got past this, you know, witness statement of seeing her all across, you know, Alabama, South Carolina. And they found information that Sherry had been in Berkeley County, which in which is in South Carolina, before her disappearance. She was staying with the stepside, the extended family side. Yeah, it was like the stepsister, wasn't it? Yeah. And Berkeley County deputies say that Sherry stayed with her stepsister and her husband in June of 83, so a year before her disappearance, Mm -hmm. before she actually returned to Alabama uh, with her mother. And that is when the cold case division, which generally goes to the homicide, and they turn it over to um, the actual cold case, missing persons side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, they got involved after they received information that Sherry may have been in St. Stephen, which is in South Carolina, again in June of 84. That was one of the sightings. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And Lieutenant Dean Kokinda, who is one of the lead investigators for that cold case division, mm-hmm. um, he said, Obviously, as cold as the cases, you don't have as many leads or as many people to talk to. Memories do fade. Now, there are multiple theories on Sherry's disappearance and what might have happened to her. You know, the most common theory is that she simply ran away from home. Yeah, but that's heavily, heavily debated by her own mom. Like she, it is. Like she said, she had, she was a happy kid. She was a little farmer. Like she wasn't like unhappy with her life. She even had plans that afternoon to like watch one of her favorite shows with her mom Mm -hmm. like she was looking forward to coming home and she like i said she wasn't like 
unhappy with the farm life. She enjoyed what she did. That's so her mom is like, no, that's mm -hmm. you guys. Yeah, you guys can say that till you turn to blue in the face. That's not what happened. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, who's to who's to say? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and this is with a little bit. Start over. Mm -hmm. In 2020, the National Center for Exploited and missing children they assisted in uh, law enforcement um, investigations in more than roughly uh, of the 30,000 missing children cases that they were covering 91% of them were those that were considered endangered runaways so there is some validity to that theory that she was a runaway? She was a runaway. I mean, 90% of the, the cases that they, they didn't cover all of the cases, but yeah. out of the 30,000 missing children cases that the that, that National Center um, helped law enforcement with, 90% of them were just endangered runaways. That's that's a pretty high number. Yeah, a lot. Uh, that's, yeah, that's kind of disconcerting. Right? The rest were, you know, the abducted, the injured, but 90% of them were considered runaways. Yeah. In 2019, there was a post on the Sherry Lynn Marler Still Missing Facebook page, and it's still active for those that, you know, are interested in this, this case and kind of want to learn more. Um, but that family friend again, that Ryan Anderson, who was doing her own investigation they had some new evidence and they had their own kind of conclusion on what happened to Sherry Sherry Marler was murdered and dismembered by someone she knew very well not her stepfather and thrown into a hog pen in Butler County we believe the person who murdered her is deceased we strongly suspect there were one or two other people there at the time of her death, and that they are also deceased. We strongly suspect she was pregnant at the time. We believe she was a victim of a multiple family-based incest pedophilia ring that involved people from both Butler and Crenshaw counties. Hold on. There is a lot of information in that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That like zero to a hundred real quick yeah first of all and um i just how, how do you come to this conclusion like what did you find um to make you say this this is like mm -hmm. this is a huge like allegation to anyone this is nuts honestly yeah, uh, like apparently they were able to find something that would indicate that there was uh a a hog pen involved as well as um you know using crenshaw and butler counties yeah um from what i've from what i've read is that there was an actual photo of a a hog pen right um and I, you, you guys showed me this real recently and you were like hey what do you think of this and i was like oh yeah it just looks like a you know kind of just like a regular pig pen and i thought nothing of it but then yeah. you're like oh yeah just take a look in the corner and I saw like this kind of shape 
and I had no idea what to make of it. And like again, like going into this case, I didn't do a whole lot of research. Yeah. So what I when I was looking at it, I was just like, oh yeah, it just looks like maybe some feed, or maybe it's just like a rock yeah, in the corner something. of uh, you know in the corner of the photo. But I had no idea what it was. Yeah, and it's then, hard to know. Yeah, and then now I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> that's uh that adds a whole other level of uh you know just it makes it very very so, well <laughs> just, just like it, we, we're just talking about the pig pen and stuff can you just like expand yeah. on that because that's nuts i mean they had unearthed it was the pig farm that was functional in 1984 mm -hmm. it was since abandoned and like mother earth took it over but um the facebook group claims that they have video footage of two separate cadaver dog teams um, and they indicated those dog teams indicated that there were actual human remains in the area. And was this was this search performed by any sort of agency, or was it just no, no, kind no. of? This was like I think this um this was Ryan, own... Ryan Anderson paid for it, didn't you? Yeah. yeah, Ryan Anderson was on behalf of the family conducting her own investigation into the disappearance of Sherry. Okay, and so it these cadaver dog teams it was done separately without law enforcement basically okay it was like privately paid like hey yeah, yeah. you have these dogs that can detect human remains bring them yeah. here i have a sneaking suspicion that you know sherry was brought to this pig farm and, and they did and, they both hit right yep mm -hmm. and she also took photos you know there, there were these like they, they almost look like um were like the old kodiak uh, Polaroids. Polaroid, yeah. And she took pictures with her phone. And that's where you see the uh you know the the pig pen in the background, you see a pig, and then there's like a little ditch. And in that ditch it looks like there's a human head. Yeah, the thing about that those photos is that she was given like a, a box of photos to look through, like she was given permission from whoever owns it now. Uh -huh. The old because uh, like you said, it's defunct pig farm is no longer a pig farm. So they were yep. had like a box of back in the day. And she was going through the photos and like towards the bottom, I don't know if it was the last one or towards the bottom, there was a picture of like a pig, but it was just a pig. And then she, when she picked it up, she noticed that like a the corner of the picture was folded under. So you couldn't see it until you um, popped it back up. And on the back, it said June 84 or July 84, I forget the date, but it was shortly after she went missing. And when you flip that little, little corner of the picture back to its full, you know, full picture, there's when you see that could be a rock, could be debris of some kind. Oh, so you're saying that they creased the photo to hide the to hide that. And head. I, I've heard other points of view, which I, I probably would have came to the same conclusion. But a lot of times, sick sociopaths, murderers, stuff like that, they like to keep mementos and trophies. So it very well could have been, oh, I'm taking a picture of my pig in a pig pen, but really there's a it's human like, head right there yeah there's like and, a scene of a crime yeah it's, it's like their trophy like yeah mm -hmm. like i did this and it's just an innocent picture of a pig but really i know what's what it's there yeah i mean you know. we're, we're gonna post this picture so yeah you can see for can, yourself yeah y'all can, you can see even and... see you can see the crease even like on the picture yeah you, you, and it, it when you look at it you're like you know obviously the back sort of like saying hey that might be a severed human head you can kind of mm -hmm. see like that painful like scream mm -hmm. i don't know how to describe the yeah, has the, it been confirmed the, that that was a human head no no it hasn't but okay so in that case then 
it, it's, it's just because I've seen the photo and it, it's it's very difficult to, without like highlighting that actual rock or whatever that image is. It, it is it does kind of just look like a I don't know like amorphous figure or like some sort of I don't know what like a a, a feature. Yeah. Um, so it kind of reminds me of like is that. Um, is that really a human head that we're seeing or is it what our brain is just telling us the, that like for instance it called like, the idola effect or something yeah it's or, like for like you know how we always hear about those um cases where it's like you know people seeing jesus in a piece of toast yeah you know it's like it's what your mind wants to see yeah what your mind wants to see that that could because the photo is not exactly the most clear image either no, no. so you can't exactly tell what it is so, I mean, can that have like some sort of like implications? Like, is that maybe part of what yeah, we're seeing? This Facebook group, like, I I don't know anything about this person. So I'm not going to like say that they're wrong or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, there's no proof backing it up yet. I don't, it's still in investigation terms because this is uncovered mm-hmm. so recently. It's pretty new. So 2019, when they put this up, she also claimed to have two videos, right? Or videos claim of the the dog search or something like that yeah yeah of the, the area the, yeah the video claims were those cadaver dogs that but they're just um, claims because they've never been seen by anybody outside and or, or proven was, right and they were sent it, off to the fbi or something right and then there was some drama with that even well it was There's some contention it, there it, it was proven to like <clears throat> man it just kind of sucks that everything has to go through law enforcement right mm. So, you know, they did their own investigation and they had these, you know, people that have dogs that they say mm-hmm. can detect human remains and they got videos of them indicating whatever indicator they have saying, hey, there's human remains here. But mm-hmm. since it's not through law enforcement, it's they don't really uphold that it's a private investigation. Right. You know, this is someone that it's almost like not admissible in court again. Yeah, yes. It it's one of those be. things like if it's not a law enforcement dog that is part of the cadaver search team for that law enforcement agency. So therefore, like, mm, we don't know what training this dog went through and mm-hmm. if they can actually detect human remains. Yeah, that's the same exact thing for like uh, the last episode we did with Ilkley Moore, where they sent in the photo of a so-called alien to the U.S. Navy uh, investigator. And they're like, nah, this is fucking bullshit. This, there's nothing here. And then he's like, okay, let me look for another way to confirm it's an alien. That's kind of what I'm getting from here. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, they, we haven't had it confirmed by an official agency, which normally would be required to confirm actual hard evidence, mm-hmm. but we're not getting that, you know? So exactly. Is it human remains? We can't say yes or no. Yeah. But again, all you know, all that evidence um, has yet to be, you know, proven sound mm-hmm. evidence. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> Sorry, but I, I, but I thought uh, it'd be funny because it's, it's not proven. It just kind of makes yeah. it, it makes it's like kind of like wacky. You know, to me, these are like wacky things. Well, we're so doing like, our own investigation. Yeah, that's I mean, that's kind. Of, yeah, I was thinking like, yeah, this is definitely just like wacky. Oh, what I sure. Think. Yeah, it's 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 someone being um, like kind of going on being a private investigator and doing mm-hmm. her own thing, and you know, good for her. Yeah, right. Yeah, at least she's trying she, though. I mean, she's a family friend. She's not. Yeah. She's not. 
part of the family. It's a family friend that is is trying to, you know. And the thing, like, find... the reason I chose like the the banjo song again was to to me this. I I don't I don't know how to say this without like sounding like offensive, but like this seems even though it is possible that it is a pedophile incest ring and she was pregnant yeah. it's so far out there yeah i'm not saying i'm not saying it's, i'm not saying it can't be true right. i'm just saying like judging by There's what i was on facebook page it's very like drama like filled mm-hmm. like everything is so dramatic and there's again, no hard evidence on that though. yeah that's yeah. what i was about to say like how did you come to the conclusion that it was a multiple family based incest pedophilia ring yeah. yeah how did you come to that conclusion like yeah that that's why it reminded me of the banjo because she's just so far out there with this yeah, shit. yeah hey, you just... don't have to justify the banjo man i love that banjo bring it back <laughs> you want to bring the banjo okay. back yeah give, give me some banjo richard Oh yeah. <laughs> we in Alabama, son. Alright. Let's keep but, on. Let's keep this going. Any case, we're we're at the end here. Yeah. Um let, let's close it up. And as this case comes to a close, and again it's still an open case because it's an unsolved uh kidnapping. Right. Let's talk about her mother Betty. She okay. would then join what's that? Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, Betty. She would join the uh, what's called Team Hope. And it's a foundation called the Help Offering Parents Empowerment, which was a program uh, created by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. I'm glad I got that acronym right. <laughs> it's NCMEC. So I was yeah. looking at it like, oh, shit, what did I put? <laughs> National Center for Exploited and Missing Children to train the family members of missing or sexually exploited children uh, so that they can help in their situations. They can take, you know, what happened to them and they can use that information to help with investigations going forward. Now, Betty would say, At Team Hope, we are members of a club that no one wants to belong to. I volunteer in the hope that no one else will ever have to go through what our family has been through. And agreed. Yeah. You don't want to be a part of that team, right? It, it, it's. Yeah. Experience something very unfortunate. You know, you, you have that, that circumstance and, and think, well, I'm going to join team hope and in the hopes of, you know, finding my, my child and that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's dark. But in any case, <clears throat> we're doing this podcast in 2021. And Sherry is still missing. And for all you listeners out there, and I hope we're reaching nationwide. You know, I, I, I don't know what states we're hitting. But if you have any information pertaining to her disappearance and her safe return, please contact the Greenville Police Department at 334-382-7461. Or you can contact the Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST. Yeah, that was, mm. it's rough in a different way. Like like she yeah. said, I never want to be part of Team Hope. Mm-hmm. I, I never, I'm glad Team Hope exists. So when it does happen, they have a support system. Right. You don't want to be a part of that team. Yeah. 
now. But yeah, that's just. She also in like 2015, I want to say, she opened up her own restaurant. Yes. Betty did, mm-hmm. and she named like one of the dishes after her daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's just she wants to bring awareness to not only her missing child but the missing children of the world, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she she has a lot of good things that have come from this, which is a lot of the times the case parents either pull through or like if you guys remember Elise Pollard, her parents yeah. had a hard time with it that was the uh they they started suing and like they were yeah. just kind of breaking down like they, having... yeah they i mean I, I think i'd be part of that group i wouldn't mm-hmm. I, I, just knowing myself it would be hard for me to make this a positive the way some parents do which is right. so amazing and commendable that they bring themselves to a point of positivity from such a negative dark place. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like, I really don't want to be part of team hope is all I know. Like that's mm-hmm. cr- exactly. crazy. The, the positive is um, it brings awareness. Mm-hmm. And again, like, like I said in the beginning, we don't like being a broken record. Uh, you know, I, I tend to find these cold cases um, to kind of, bring awareness to what happened and how it happened. And maybe now people can start to learn from it. And again, mm-hmm. this was 1984. There's not, I, man, I have to look at the numbers. There's only like 300,000 you know, actual, like actually missing um, children. I think in general history has remained roughly the same when it comes to crimes and missing people mm-hmm. it's just that with the advent of social media it's more prominent in your eyes yeah so you see it more but i think yeah. that i think statistically it kind of has plateaued in a way so I mean, sometimes it goes mm-hmm. up and down there's good times bad times but right i think just because we're seeing it more it seems like it happens more it's just that there's visibility now yeah we're living in yeah, the age of with- information so we have access to all that sort of stuff all the time and this is another kind of point too, uh kind of piggybacking off what you were saying is that you know we we see things like this um all the time and it's always like really you know distraught cases and it's really like you know depressing and uh fear fearful you know want to make sure everything's fine um but again with this one particularly too, there is a silver lining to it is that you're bringing awareness to it and, you know, the community binding together um, and, you know, just to try to focus on the positive sides of these things and um, as well as, you know, just staying vigilant and, uh, you know, just being aware of your surroundings. And that's all Mm -hmm. we can really hope for at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with with, with the, um, the whole Amber alert system and bringing awareness to, you know, people that are quote unquote missing or they've been abducted by, you mm-hmm. know, said and said family members. It's, um, it's easily, it, it's more easily tracked, I guess. Yeah. I mean, even the Amber alert was fought for by the parents of Amber, mm-hmm. you know, so that's why it's that's called the that. The reason why it started. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Parents. It's like, Hey, let's, let's get out a system where if someone gets abducted by uh, another family member, you know, or anybody, mother, father, or <laughs> anyone in that in that case, but uh, to get a, a a statewide broadcast in that area to you know keep your eyes out for this vehicle or, yeah. or you know this person, it, it it definitely helps. But 1984, they didn't they didn't have that type of system, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's rough. But again, it's 37 years, 
and yeah. you know we'll I'll I'll post the uh, the the picture of the, uh, the the pig's pen, but also like the picture of when she was abducted, and also um, what digitally enhanced, pick, yeah, what they have generated for like what she would look like thirty seven years today, today, yeah. Well, dang so. man, thanks for that um, awful story. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, you guys got anything else? That's uh, it. No, man. Same as always. Check us out on our, uh, you know, social wait, medias. Wait. Before you do that, Brian, can you just give us a teaser of next week's episode? Oh, oh yes. Uh, so next week we are going to be hitting our 25th episode, um, which is a, a very particular milestone in episodes that we've done because it'll hit our six month mark of doing bloodthirsty times. That's uh, crazy so, uh, to me. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah I know, right? Crazy. Time has just flew by. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what we're going to be doing is just something a little bit different. We're going to be switching it up on everybody and, uh, we'll have some, uh, some guests and everything like that. So it'll be kind of fun. So we hope you guys uh, really want to, uh, you know, stick around and join us for that because it'll be a fun little, uh, you know, a fun little episode for everybody. Nice change of pace. Do you want people now to like, Hey, if you have a case that you want us to cover, send it in now and we'll kind of like pick through it. Oh yeah. I mean, we've been doing that anyway. So if you have a case, yeah, send it into us at uh, bloodthirstypod at gmail.com as well as uh, hit us up on our socials, Facebook, Instagram. Will, you got anything? Nope. Love you guys. All right. Thanks for listening to me, everybody. You guys have a good one. Bye. (laughs) That was moist. (laughs) Are you making that with your microphone? Yeah.